0: Hey there, Husker fans. Back at another Pick 6 podcast. Sam McEwen along with Tom Chattel and Evan Bland. We're here on what technically is a victory Wednesday. Uh, the Nebraska volleyball team uh, wins on the road at number 5 Stanford. We're going to talk about that off the top because, hey, there is one great program inside Husker Athletics, and that's the one. Uh, and then, of course, things have heated up pretty fast around Nebraska football, it feels like. Uh, they're 0-2. They're uh, the You know, the, the fans are a little restless uh, they'll, they'll be a little nervous going into Saturday night's home opener uh, against Northern Illinois. We're going to talk about quarterback. We're going to talk about, you know, how we've covered rules so far. Have we been too tough on him? Have we been fair? I see a little bit of that rumbling out there that, you know, we're, we're treating him too harshly compared to Scott Frost and all this other stuff. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little. We'll talk a little defense and where they're at. And then at the end, we're going to talk about Memorial Stadium. We're starting a 3vs Gate series with Evan Bland's story about the mysteries and the secrets mm. of Memorial Stadium, a neat story that'll be in our paper on Thursday. And then Tom, you know, he's seen more games here than, than anybody who covers the team, uh, pretty much. And I would love to just hear his thoughts on, uh, you know, what where, where Memorial Stadium's meant over the years uh, uh, to him. Uh, so we just want to remind everyone to subscribe to the Omaha World Herald today is september 13th and if you get a subscription to the world herald today it's it's basically six months for one dollar that's going to take you all the way through march 13th and pretty much by then we'll know if nebraska basketball is in the NCAA tournament or not So you're going to get the entire Nebraska basketball season. you get almost the entire Creighton basketball season because they will be in the tournament. You're going to get all the Husker football. You're going to get all the Husker women's basketball. You'll get the entire volleyball season. It looks like they've got a Final Four run in them. So you want to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to Omaha.com. That's www.omaha.com backslash subscribe, www.omaha.com backslash subscribe. Okay, let's start with volleyball. Um, That was a heck of a match. Nebraska looked like the better team. They played like the better team, and they won in four sets, um, not handily, but I thought they I thought they controlled it from start to finish.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, um, yeah. You know, for me, that was sort of a, a, a transformation game. When the match started, that they they were underdogs. Even they were ranked higher. Yep. They hadn't beaten Stanford in years. Um, well, one of the freshmen hadn't been in a match like that yet this year. I mean, not really. Um, even though they'd played in front of ninety thousand, right? And uh, they, hey, Creighton came to town. This was a different deal on the road at Stanford. Um, but by the, you could just see it as it as the match went on. They became the uh, not only the uh, 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 the, the more. Uh, Aggressive team, yep. they they stood up to him and they they dealt the blows. They were um, they, they they got after him, and I thought I felt like by the end of the match, okay, they were the favorite. They they were they were the, the the better team, and I think this is now a team that has a lot of talent. But sometimes you need proof, and sometimes you, and now they'll get more chances in the Big Ten to 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 do that. I feel like now it's it's, it's it's a national title contender yeah. as opposed to before, you know, it, it, it may or may not happen this year. I think now you can go, OK, they got it.
0: I think they do. I think that's completely true. And in <clears throat> the way that they they started the match, it was a little sloppy at times, but they won that first sets first time they have won the first set against Stanford, I think, since 08. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even '06. Like it's been a long time. Mm-hmm.
1: Eight. It was eight. Eight. eight yeah.
0: yeah. So the first time they'd done that, and then the second set was a domination. Uh, Stanford was, I think, overwhelmed. They talked. To, ESPN talked to the Stanford coach um, in between the, the those sets, and he's like, "Yeah, they're they're pretty good on offense. We're gonna to do a, something different." Yeah. Though. So I think he was a little bit, you know, I don't know, shell shock not the right phrase, but but I think he was impressed. Um, and then by the end of the match, you know, um, Harper Murray uh, played very well. Merritt Beeson is a really, really good player. And I think we're now seeing that over the last uh, three, three matches or so. Uh, when they play the better teams, Merritt Beeson is going to end up being one of their better players. Evan, what, did, what were your takeaways, if any? Yeah, I mean, it was really impressive. I thought the physical skill that they showed at the net was really
2: notable. Uh, you know, they've been a good uh, passing team. They were a good passing team last year, one of the best. But their their physical presence at the net, it made it look like they were playing on the road against, you know, Purdue on a, on a weeknight in the Big Ten, not a national title contender like Stanford and some of the players that they had. So I thought that was really impressive. Becca Alec, Harper Murray, and then what John Cook said afterwards about, yeah, they're young. We don't tell them that, that they're young. I mean, that's, that's a great place to be when you have this influx of talent. And it just felt fresh, man. I mean, we've talked on this pod over the years, last couple of years, about how you know that COVID year took a lot out of that senior class when they played in the spring and they played in the fall and it just it kind of got you could just tell there was some fatigue in there and so this new this new guard um was really impressive and yeah I think it's so it was so interesting because everyone put so much focus on volleyball day in Nebraska um that they you know you kind of lost sight of the fact that there was a heck of a non-conference yeah that's right opportunity after that and boy did they ever show that that you know, they're on that short list to be
0: contenders this year. I think Kentucky is their last non-conference match. If they win that, then, then they've done what they, they set out to do. Um, obviously, the Creighton team they played wasn't full strength. If that team had been full strength, I think it would have been more interesting than it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but nobody's going to care about that. They won the match. Then they go and beat full strength Stanford. They're going to beat Kentucky on Sunday unless they have a total letdown. Um, so they did exactly everything they wanted to do. They got to have their fun with Volleyball Day, and then they went out and they had they, they built a, a substantial resume going into Big Ten play. Nebraska will play number one Wisconsin at some point this season. I don't know that Wisconsin will be number one when they play them, but they will play number one Wisconsin. Uh, Minnesota's ranked somewhere in there, six, seven. They play Creighton this weekend. Um, they won't face Louisville uh, until the NCAA tournament, if they face them. And then who's three? Florida? Florida's the in The school yeah. that Merritt Beeson left. Mm-hmm. So Florida was pretty damn good. If she left there and they're still that good, they were good. Because um, she's been a big addition. Like, she, she's, been, she's been a really, really good player. She's been, she may be their best player, honestly. And that, that wasn't something I would have anticipated uh, going in. Okay, um, so let's move on to football. That, that was a heck of a fun thing to watch um, Tuesday night. Okay, so the team's 0-2. The general vibe I got, well, well I'm going to ask this. What was your general vibe from Rules Presser on Monday? Because you know, we all saw Saturday, and that was that was one thing. But Monday, that was interesting.
1: Well, I wish I would have asked a question out front that I didn't, that I asked him on the hallway, because he wouldn't answer it in the hallway. He said he would have answered it out front. So that's the first time that's ever happened to me. Oh. <laughs> About... You know why you bench Grant, but you don't you don't bench Sims. And um, he said, you know, um, you know, obviously he said he wanted to give the other guys more carries, uh, Irvin and Johnson. But he also said Grant uh, left the ball on the ground, and, and so he he was going to sit. Yeah. Well, I said, well, what about Sims? And he he said, I don't want to answer that up here. I want I'd rather I'd rather answer that up front. So he can hear my answer and and not read it. And that's the first time it's ever happened. I don't know. I don't think Surprising wasn't. It? I don't think he wants to answer that question. That's my take. Is it. Right. I think if he'd have been asked up front, he he and he loves to, he loves to give answers. He loves to he he gives good answers, he gives good explanations. But that's a tough one for a coach to because there are double standards. And right. when it's the quarterback and now, there's not a drop-off of running back, but there's a drop-off of quarterback. That doesn't mean those guys can't do anything, but there's a drop, you know. So, and it's, it's still, uh, there's only been two games. So If you start, you know, taking the quarterback out, and, and then the other guy can't do it, and then you got to put him, you know, Sims back in, and it just becomes this long season of who's the quarterback. And they don't like, he he wants to avoid that. So, yeah. Um anyway. Rightfully so anyway, so we can talk about that again, but uh my vibe was i am glad he was asked about the 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 whole logo gate the 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 whole disrespect thing yeah i thought he had a good answer for that he had a good answer for nine eleven um look he's he doesn't he's not panicking he you know but you know i think that's very important that he he He's putting on a a, 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 a good uh, face or a, a good, uh, you know, a, a good front. He's not backing down. He's going with it. But uh, the bottom line is the things that they, you know, we believe what we see on the field. So, um, you know, but I don't know. I think they, you know, they should be one and one in some way. Minnesota game. I keep thinking about that possession before halftime. <laughs> they could have won that game. They're so close to that, and yeah. we—the vibe would be totally different there, one one right now. So, that's a good point. Now the Minnesota game looms large.
0: It, I think in the week between Minnesota and Colorado, it didn't. Now it does because now they've lost that game,
1: mm-hmm. and um, I think this is a better team in some ways, but. You got to get quarterback right. You got to get that right. And last week we saw one program got quarterback right, very right. The other one didn't. Well, that's true. You know,
0: that's very. true. And that Colorado. Thing. And he's good. He's good. Well,
1: let me say this: you, you got you got to get lucky. And when I say Colorado lucky, okay, Dion, here's another receipt for you to keep. Um, but sometimes <laughs> you have to get lucky. Uh, Reminds me of uh, the the. Uh, uh, um, I McDermott's mean, a Creighton. Yep. Hmm. He needed that. I mean, Doug, when the best player in the country is your son, how often does that happen? Well, I've seen it at the Creighton. Now I've seen it at the Colorado. Right. And it you didn't does know happen. that he was the best player in the
0: country? I mean, Doug did not. I mean, I, I think Greg would say he didn't know that Well, that we did we knew right. he was
1: very good, and he was capable of, uh, you know, the, the Valley Player of the Year and maybe All-Americans, whatever. But as he went on, yeah, right. he became something else. But that got arguably was a big piece of, of getting Creighton into the Big East, yeah. and and then you know you you start the Big East with him, and and here you go, and then it it, it just helps recruiting. Yep. That's so you, it's it's okay to say you get a little lucky. You you, you know the, the the best player in the the country, you know is I grew up in your house, so it, it, it's okay. But um, I I feel like. Nebraska is is uh, still is, there, is still in a good spot, but now the question is how many more turnovers does Sims have left in him, and how long do they stay with that, and how many games can they win if they have a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes?
0: Hmm. Evan, I want to read part of your quote. This is not a perfect transcription of this because this came from NU Media, and that's fine. This isn't a perfect transcription of what he said because what he said was actually better than this, but. Here's what he said. Um, this is kind of what you get when you hire me. And he kind of shrugged, right? It's not going to be a quick fix. Not overnight. It's going to be what we believe, built to last. He also said built on rock. It's not in the transcription here, but yeah, he said that. We take advantage of these painful, painful moments. We sit here, there as a coaching staff, and we say to ourselves, our goal is in three years, we'll look back and say we did our best coaching during these weeks. I understand if there's frustration. We're trying to learn how to win. That's everything. And then he goes into you know, so on and so far. He, he said he had a, did a poor job of preparing for the crowd noise. That's surprising to me. I wonder if he was told that there won't be a crowd issue because Nebraska will take up half the stadium. I hope he wasn't told that, hmm. um, I, but, but you never know. So he had some things in there that were really interesting, In that line, <clears throat> we'll, we'll sit there as a coaching staff and we say to ourselves, our goal is in three years, we'll look back and say that we did our best coaching during these weeks. Hmm. What do you think that means?
2: I think it means this is still when you're when you're turning things. Like you've had a whole off season to set a culture, but this is it's it's being tested. And this is the the refiner's fire, if you will, um, to to see kind of where it goes from maybe head knowledge into yeah they they believe this in their in their gut because they've seen it out there, uh, you know. And I thought the line that he said too, you can't you don't want to waste a crisis, and it feels like a crisis a little bit. You know, you're zero two you're out in class as a player, whatever, you know, everybody's, everybody's uh, gnashing of teeth and everything like that. Um, it is. So like in those moments, it's, it's, it's that spot where you as a player or as a coach say, all right, we got to change something. This is not working. Oh my gosh. Or you double down. And that's sort of the theme of the week is double down, trust the process. We've seen that at different points uh, from different sports organizations. Um, but that's what it feels like. It's like, okay, Let's let's double down, and I think it, it it helps that you look at Matt Rule's track record. You know they started what zero and 0 and six uh, at Temple and or zero and eight uh, zero and six at Temple in twenty thirteen zero and eight at Baylor in twenty seventeen. So this is not new for Matt Rule to have these, sort of these these rough starts, um, and it's part of that um, I guess resetting of the foundation that's going to carry into the season.
0: Hmm. I, Go
1: ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, a lot of those. Uh, a lot of good words were said, um, but again, we need to see action. And it's uh, an interesting line: uh, we, we learn from a crisis. Well, well, there's a crisis at quarterback right now. What have you learned? Show me what you've learned. Um, and, and and frankly, there's not a lot of coaching to be done with Jeff Sims. He's an older player. Yeah. He knows what to do yeah. and what not to do. Yeah. So go do it. And if you don't, if you can't do it. You're on the bench. At some point, that has to be you learn from a crisis right? is that you can't keep me. You're going to lose the fans. You're going to lose the team if you keep doing that. So, um, Heinrich Harburg, I, I look at him and I'm going, he could be a game manager. Maybe, maybe he could be a guy who makes a play here or there, but at some point you're going to have to decide, uh, you know, there's an upside with Sims, but the downside is, is outweighing it. Um, when does that get in the way of games that are g- going to be toss-ups? And, you know, and I love the line about this is what you got when you – he's right. That's what you got when you hired me. Husker fans don't want to hear that necessarily. They want to hear how are things getting better right now. I, I don't want to wait three. I've been waiting for ten years. You know, I mean, Husker fans have been waiting every year for this. They don't necessarily want to be told they have to wait th- three years. So – um but they might have to because, look at that roster, and I believe, I believe the the coach is is going to go into that portal a little bit more. Maybe he wants to after uh, the season, um, you know, depending on what he thinks he can develop on that roster and what he can't, because um, they 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 still need a lot of help there. Let's go back to the quarterback thing
0: because there are about yeah. four good things in there. We'll start with this, so. Jeff Sims is the quarterback. Heinrich Harburg, I'd say he's a similar player to Jeff Sims, honestly. Um, I, first of all, you, you get it in emails. I don't know if you spend as much time looking at your you know, people who tweet at you. Um, but I got it on Twitter on Saturday, and you get it in your emails. The, the criticism for Jeff Sims was really hot. It was like Taylor Martinez hot. And they were they were really good back when Taylor Martinez was the quarterback, and so people were mad at Taylor because he was keeping them from like winning the Big Ten title. But the the criticism for Sims was hot. It was like he's an idiot. Get him out of there. And it was it was different. Um, why do you think it's so? Faci- like, is it just because the mistakes were so were so rudimentary that that it was like that, yeah. or there pe- or have people's wicks burned down to virtually nothing, and they're just sick and tired of I, watching uh, sloppy football?
1: I think you you said it well in your in what you wrote. Um, they they see this you know, Colorado just these guys show up and they're just greatest player, greatest one of the best players in college football. Yep. Just right there, right? And the they played, they uh, played clean too. Yeah.
0: They didn't they turn over the ball. <laughs> right? mm-hmm.
1: And then the rest they can't catch the zap. I mean eh. <laughs> how do you how do you I people know. can't take it. I I don't agree with them. Um and then, yeah, you throw the interception. He's, oh, he just happened to be there. Oh, shoot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's. So, yeah, that's why there was not it's not personal. It's not, they don't even know Jeff Sims. And they, they want to like him. They want him to do well. But they're tired of, of this stuff that looks like football that doesn't make sense. Right. And, and they've seen it now two weeks in a row with this guy. So, um,
0: in both cases, when um, you mentioned Temple and Baylor, in both cases in, at those schools, um, Matt Rule put a true freshman quarterback out there, Right. P.J. Walker and Charlie Brewer, and I think the expectation was we're not going to be very good. And so we're going we're to start with a kid, and we're going we're to we're develop the kid, and as we develop the kid, we're going to develop the team. And that, that all sort of f- f- uh, panned out. They didn't do that in this case. They decided that they were going to go out and get a veteran. What they didn't get, and you've written about Jeff Sims, what they didn't go get was a pedestrian game manager. They didn't get that. No. Now, that's not who Jeff Sims is. It's not what no. he was at Georgia Tech. They could have gone out and got a pedestrian game manager. Oh, let's go get this guy over here. He's only got you know, 10 career interceptions. He's probably not going to get us a lot, but he's not going to make the big mistake. They go out and get the playmaker. Mm-hmm. And the problem is he's made more plays for the other team than he's made for his own team. Um, And then they go out and get an offensive coordinator. And I understand why Matt Rule hired a guy that he's worked with his whole life. But if you look at that guy's offenses, and I got some pushback on this, and that's fine. I deserve it. 27 turnovers last year. 24 turnovers a year before. Last year they had 27 turnovers, and Spencer Rattler was their quarterback. He's not a bad guy. He's pretty good. Um, So they went out and hired people who were big play guys who also turned the ball over and that feels, incong- that feels incongruent to what they're trying to do here because you see it on the defense. On the defense, the culture that Rule's talking about is there. And my goodness, Makai Bayer mm-hmm. and Javen Wright and John Bullock and Deshaun Singleton, the former, the previous staff left those guys to do whatever they wanted, but they weren't going to play. Right. And now all of a sudden they're playing. So it's all working on that side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, it's not working. And I do think some of that's – I'm not trying to knock Scott Frost here. Some of it is the fault of the people who were there before because that offensive system was such a mess. with Scott not knowing who his coordinator was or having coordinators that didn't do much or were analysts as coordinators and switching out the staff and all the stuff that Scott was doing, I do think it created a culture on the offensive side of the ball of confusion and uncertainty. And I think Eric Chinander did a much better job on the defensive side of the ball – so that when Tony White came in, what he inherited was better than what Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield inherited. Nevertheless, I'm not sure they made it better. I think you get now. It, I'll just say this: if you do, if you replace Jeff Sims and you bench him like Tom's saying, I think you got to give the kid a chance, a real chance. Maybe not Chuba Purdy. I don't know. Chuba may or may not play, but I think you got to give Harbrook a real chance. If you're yanking him out of there the way they yanked Luke McCaffrey out a couple years ago. Well you're damaging the kids' conf- confidence now too and you're asking and you're, you're, the team doesn't know where you really stand.
2: do you care though if you're Heinrich Harburg? do you care what the circumstances are that get you into the game? like if I'm if I'm Heinrich Harburg and I'm number two on the depth chart, I don't care why Jeff Sims isn't in the game whether he's being punished, whether he's being set aside to to see it from a different perspective, whatever like mm-hmm. that's my chance like if I get a drive if I get a game, if I get whatever until I lose it, like, I don't know. It feels like we're psychoanalyzing these guys a little bit. When If it were me, any chance that I get out there to do what I do, I would go out there and do it until they told me not to. And maybe, maybe they think about it deeper than that. But
0: I think the frontal lobe of every competitor is exactly what you just said. But we're not any of those athletes. And no. so what I think about is the thing that in theory we could do, which is be the person in the room that says, if you do this, then you got to think about this. You know, it's, it'd be like saying, well, you can bench Jeff Sims because Jeff Sims will, will understand that, and then when he goes back in, he'll be a competitor. Like, there's a bio-rhythm that, to this thing, to quote the old bases-loaded game. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's a good point, that he will take any opportunity he can get. That was true of Luke McCaffrey, too, mm-hmm. and Luke left and became a wide receiver, who could now help this team. Absolutely. Now, if Nebraska had managed that situation better, and they didn't, they managed it horribly, they could have been honest with Luke and said, listen, man, you're going to play in the NFL, but you're not going to play as a quarterback stay here as receiver, become an all-Big Ten guy. In a couple of years, you're going to be this, this, and this. And how nice would it be to have him now? Because mm-hmm. he's going to be an NFL draft pick. And they don't have an NFL draft pick at receiver right now. That's right.
1: I really thought and then it was the end of the game, but I found it interesting that uh, Harburg f- found uh, Thomas Fedoni, or Jeff Sims just can't seem to find him can't doesn't know where he is or it just seems like he's not getting the ball <laughs> it's, and it's so I mean end of the game I understand but I feel like Fedoni got targets so like oh yeah he's here good getting the ball um, he
0: got two on one drive that's right
1: and, and so you don't know what you're gonna get if you play Harvard you might get that you might get he's the game manager you're talking about what I think well I think we might be getting See, this is going to be this. This this might be push come to shove with Sims, because one of the reasons I believe what you said about uh, going to get him—he's got an upside. Boy, that downside. Mm -hmm. These guys think they can fix the downside. They're—they're not about throwing away guys. Now maybe they have and they will, but they're about we're going to fix them. We can fix these guys. That's what we do, and so we're going to fix Jeff Sims. You watch. And so, in the meantime, it's uh, painful, painful, painful. How many times did he say painful? Um, More painful on the way. I hope not. Um, But it's like (laughs) this is—he might ride with Sims for all just he thinks he's going. I think that's been stubborn in a way. Um, If he keeps turning it over and they keep and they lose some more games because of it, the fans aren't going to be in the mood for. Okay. I, I, we don't want you to fix this guy. We want you to give us another guy. <laughs> so, I, I think this is the the rule. Philosophy is, is sort of on display right now with Jeff Sims. Like, you know, we're gonna you know we're not gonna throw him away. We're gonna fix him, and like we're trying to do with all these other guys. So, um, and and it really, I wonder by saying the, the other day Monday, by saying yeah, it's just a three year thing. Does that give him – is he trying to get a little – and I think he already has space to work with. Is he trying to tell the fans, hey, don't worry about this year. This is a three-year thing. Um, <laughs> but Husker fans, this isn't Baylor. This isn't Temple. People have a different expectation here. So we're, we're trying to figure him out. And he, I think he's trying to figure out Nebraska. And, uh, and, and, and and meanwhile, Northern Illinois is coming to town, and I hope Sean Eichhorst isn't around.
2: Well he he's he rules right when he says this is who I am because that that is what he does. He takes the high upside guys, that's what he's always done. Take the high upside guys, kind of smooth them out, develop them, and then they turn into something. And Jeff Sims in his fourth year looks pretty raw in that regard.
1: <laughs> that's the point. Fourth year. At some point you're either you're either this or you're that.
2: The quarterback thing's interesting because we talk about the defense and how all these guys have emerged, Mackay Bayer and Javen Wright, like, they're not afraid, and they've said this, they're not afraid to, to put all these guys out there, one, because they feel like they're able, but also because you never know what what's going to happen when the light comes on. I wonder if it, what's the point when that becomes true for the quarterback, where, okay, you, you kind of see what you've seen from Harburg or Purdy in practice, what happens when the lights come on? Could it be a little bit different? And then, you know, I just wanted to mention, too, you know, to the point of the frustration, like, Everyone thought Nebraska going six and six would be a good season, right? Exactly. So so you're 0-2. There's a whole lot of season left, There's including a, two exactly. two home games coming up here. And so I just it's it's an interesting moment, I think, to remember that like it's one thing to sort of fast forward through the season and get to what's next, and then it's another to live it each week when you gotta hear about it every day. And you gotta go to Colorado and you gotta feel it and you gotta hear it from the fans. Um, the, the big picture versus sort of the granular is what we're feeling the tension of as well.
1: They, they didn't get a, they, they, they got tossed a tough break by having to go to Minnesota. Well, you mean it, the, the way to open up a new regime and teach people how to win is not, we're going to open up Minnesota at night and, and we're not going right. to, and then you go to Colorado. and well, Oh, by the way, they will, it will look like a top 10 team right now. Um, you know, That's not the way you want to start a new regime. So, I guarantee you, they're going to be tired of the color yellow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, what they need is a little home cooking this week. They need a, we need a good game at home. Fans out there on their side, um, you know, no noise problems this week. Um, but um, and then they need Jeff Sims if he plays. We don't know if he's going to play. We'll find out more today, I guess, or tomorrow. But we we. They need a clean game. They need to score some points, and that, that they they need a feel-good game at home. And then they need a another one. And you'd be surprised at the mood. And if they're two and two, and that things are kind of turning around a little bit in offense. So, um, but I just wonder if there's a if there's a mid-season or a thing that like you play a different quarterback, and there's a spark that happens, or. One of those running backs, you know, the light comes on a little bit, and they start to do, 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 do this dynamic of the running game, and they start getting that going. Um, that's what I wonder about the the, the, these, the between now and sort of you know mid October, what kind of thing can they you know, can, can they get and they get some kind of uh, uh, momentum going, or is it going to be one of these win a couple, lose a couple? You know, you don't, really, you don't really get anywhere type of deals.
0: I think one thing that, that was true also of the Temple-Baylor teams that isn't true of this one is that, you know, Temple gave up 460 yards a game in its first season under Matt Rule, and Baylor gave up uh, 480. Mm. Baylor also gave up 36 points a game on defense. This defense isn't going to do any of those things. Um, this defense looks like a defense that, that quite honestly is better than any defense Nebraska's had since 2016. And in theory, your offensive line should be one of your best. It's not still, but you know. So there's there's those components too, where you're like, okay, yeah, it's it's very true that, that that you're looking at a rebuild, but the defense looks rebuilt. It doesn't look like it needs any, you know, like. It's good enough to win in this league. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the. Co- so I, I want to shift to this. Um, are we? Maybe as the media, but also as just fans. Is this? I mean, is there are we a little too hot on this thing? I mean, they've lost two games before the season. I think a lot of people thought they might be Colorado, but then Colorado turned out to be way better than anybody thought. It um, looks like an eight or nine win team, partially because of the quarterback. I, I mean, is there? Is they're just? And I, I say ask this myself too. Is there just too much heat too quickly on this air, or? Is it appropriate, given some of the comments the athletic director has made about needing to win soon, and we're not, we can't fiddle faddle around, and all those things? Is it? I mean, it seems. I mean, the the athletic director has been as potent and and you know pointed as anyone about the need to win football games. Right.
2: I think it stems from people's belief that there's one decision related to one position that needs to be made. I, I think that's what it is. Like if, if Minnesota rolled Nebraska. In, in the opener, if Colorado just clearly out-talented Nebraska last week, I think people would say, okay, you know, we'll settle in. We're going we're gonna to trust uh, the development and trust the recruiting classes and whatnot. I think it, it heightens that tension when you lose the opener the way that you did in such a familiar fashion. I think it heightens the tension when, you know, for a lot of that game on Saturday, Nebraska looked like it belonged with Colorado. They held their own. But they made stupid mistakes and, and there were turnovers and just like basic things that seem to be holding them back. And so I think that's what's upsetting people is that if you just play, play even, play, play, play regular, don't hurt yourself like you're going to contend. I think that is what is heightening this thing, because, again, if they if they stunk, if they were clearly years away, I think people would get that. But I, I, it's as close as they are and as, as they consistently hurt themselves, I think is what really fires people up.
1: I don't think there's that much heat. I think, quite frankly, anytime you lose a game, as Osborne used to say, they're all big games. If, if, if you know the, the, the big games are the the ones you lose. Whenever right. um, Nebraska loses a game, there's heat, and that's that's how this place is, and that's how it's built. It's how a lot of places are built. I mean, that's that's, that's what makes it great. Um, but uh, people are not uh, they're not they're on rule because of the court. He, he, Made the wrong decision to quarterback, is what they're saying. And and, and frankly, I, I, I might have to agree. I mean, uh, I still want to see a little bit more from Sims, but maybe not too much more of that. Um, but um, I, I, they want to see, okay, this guy's, you know, he's he's been built as sort of like a um, miracle worker, uh, a guy who's got magic. Um, well, the magic isn't in the headset the magic is in all the hard work it's like the you know the ben hogan the the ben hogan secret it's it's in the dirt you know um Mm -hmm. you have you have to go dig it and uh that's what this is the the secret of matt rule is in that dirt um but i don't think people i people are when you lose a game you're gonna get mad and I i thought well if they lose to colorado i think they will i picked it um that's an emotional one. And Minnesota's not as em- Colorado's emotional. Yeah. So I figured, well, this could be. If it was just one, we'll hang on. So, but I think most people understand. Yeah, this was six and six. This was. 0 2 isn't the end of the world. But as as I wrote for Sunday, I, I picked 0 2. I picked 6 and 6. I think they could still get there. There's a lot of. I mean, my, my goodness, Michigan State now upside down. Who knows? Uh, but then you, you've got Northwestern Purdue all of a sudden winning. Who knows about that? There's a lot of things we don't know about. But what we know is they can't keep doing that at quarterback, or right. it's going to be a long year. And so hes they got to get that fixed. And so, but yeah, people, I mean, I've had people tell me, well, you're not hard enough on him. You go, you'd be harder on this guy. You know, you're just letting him talk, and he sounds like he's a, you know, a. Snake oil salesman or something. Well, here we go. That's already started. I said, no. I, the guy's a proven commodity as a coach. Okay, he's proven, but he's got to keep proving it, and he's going to prove it now at a place that expects more, and, and they're going to expect it sooner. But I think most fans are understand. It. It's it's going to be a while, but you got to give them some. You know, and I think the, the defense has given him something, um, but. By the end of the year, they're going to want to see. Okay, this was progress. This was. I feel good about this. And um, Jeff Sims is going to have a lot to say about that. That's a
0: good point. I think there's an impression that when Scott got here, Scott Frost, that is, he took over the literally the worst football program in America. Like that was the narrative that was presented very quickly. That Mike Riley had tried was, almost destroyed it, and, and it,
1: I, it got worse.
0: And. And first of all, and I think this part of it, he didn't take over the worst football program in America. They had three or four bad games toward the end of Riley's tenure when everybody knew he was going to get fired. But up till then, and Riley made the mistake of allowing Bob Diaco to be hired by Eichorst or whatever you want to call that, and that was unfortunate because Diaco contributed to this this impression that nobody was minding the store because there was something, you know, he was strange. So that didn't help, that impression. But Scott Frost didn't take over the worst program in college football, um, and I would argue that you know what Matt Rule took over was also not the worst program in college football. Mm-hmm. Deion Sanders actually took that over, and he completely got all the other guys got all the guys out, and he brought all of his guys in, and that's what he did. And maybe if he had taken over at Nebraska, maybe he wouldn't have done that. I don't know, but Rule didn't take over the worst program in college football. But I think there's a sense that because he's been so optimistic and positive in his own way. <laughs> Over the last nine months, you know, it was gonna come to fruition in, in a little bit different fashion. Um, but the reality is staying in dorms and doing all the off season culture work and all those things really can't account for dropped drop snaps. And if you drop three snaps or however many snaps it was, and then you throw a flat ball that's intercepted multiple times, I don't know how, I don't know how your culture can address that other than the quarterback has he to either change his mechanics, or he's got to change something in his process, or you change the offense? You change it so that Jeff Sims feels more comfortable with what you're doing um, versus whatever they've been doing up to this point. I don't know that he has discomfort in the offense, but clearly something's not right when you're you're running into situations where he's dropping snaps that are right in his hands.
1: That's not the culture or the no. offense. That's right. the player.
0: Yeah, probably. That's that's what's that's what's tough about it. <clears throat> um there are things you can also do it's third and 18 just hand the ball off don't let the quarterback scramble out of bounds don't let him do that don't do that it's third and 12 there's three there's four minutes left in the first half you know you know what just run the ball punt it make sure Sanders go 75 yards and you go into halftime down three nothing you know and and that's those those are ways that you can mitigate damage then they come out in the second half, they get a stop, and instead of being down 13-7, to seven, you're ahead 7-3, which is exactly what it was in Minnesota. At times it feels like they've got to find a way to mitigate calamity, and if they do that, then their defense will help them out. I don't know. We'll see. Yep. Marcus Satterfield and Tony White talked today. Those will be very different kinds of conversations. Mm. Um, I'm sure Tony White's disappointed with some of the stuff that happened in the second half of that game. Colorado's offense, by the way, a, it runs really fast, and B, they have they have this sort of improvisational gift, where their receivers will stop a route, and they'll just literally stop, and then they'll start again. That's not easy to cover. That's that's a hard, and you saw it throughout the game. Yeah. Guys would would run a curl, they'd stop, and then they'd go with a crossing route. And Nebraska got beat on that like five times. It's very challenging to 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 cover a player who basically stops and if the quarterback's got enough time and he did then it then the route starts again it's like a motion offense in basketball it's it's challenging to slow them down they're going to be a fun team to watch i want to get now to um memorial stadium so nebraska comes back for its first home game of the year this is the home opener i believe it's a sellout um here we go right 100 years of memorial stadium evan is going to start our through these gates series off with a story about the secrets and the mysteries of Memorial Stadium. You found an interesting nugget um, from former uh, director of facilities, John Ingram, of what the stadium was supposed to be initially, that kind of thing. And then, Tom, I'd love to talk to you just about the history of the place. But I want to start with you, Evan. Tell, Talk a little bit about your story uh, and, and what you maybe learned about the quirks of, of that particular stadium.
2: Yeah, it was a fun story to put together. went uh, in the spring uh, with John Ingram, when he was there, he took me, he was kind enough to take me around uh, the the area, the facilities, and, you know, I, I think fans generally kind of understand the history of it, but I, what I was looking for was like, okay, what's something that fans walk by every week, every fall Saturday, and maybe they didn't know the significance of, or maybe there were some some small things that they didn't know. One of my favorites uh, is is early in the story about some just initials that are uh, painted onto the concrete wall and one of the ramps, actually many of the ramps uh, throughout the stadium because back in the early 1920s, 1923, 1924, the university would pay players in the summer to paint the wood and to do all these things for upkeep. And they would make a habit, the players of putting their initials in very random places. And I spent some time trying to kind of figure out who maybe some of these mystery initials were uh, you know, J.H. and S.S. and R.G. Um, and you can kind of make some guesses on some because they had a lot more nicknames back then than they do now. Uh, but stuff like that, uh, there's a, you know, 100-year-old um, dog tracks of a dog that walked through the drawing cement back then. Um, you know, there, there are Switch. doors that go nowhere. There are ramps that, uh, that used to go up to the top level of Memorial Stadium that now just end uh, at the underside of a, of a concrete staircase mm-hmm. because they redid the club level. Mm-hmm. So I think th- ultimately that was one of my bigger takeaways from the event was when you have a stadium that was originally intended to be one-way and society changes over the course of 100 years and you have expansions and you have additions and you have renovations, uh, it's this just kind of mishmash of, of all these different eras. And they make it work and it's a really cool game day experience. Uh, but there are also things that sort of get Lost in the shuffle around there. I, I think the Mushroom Garden area is really interesting. I think um, you know that's under the stands, especially there <clears throat> on the on the east side. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the athletic department has like a little caged bunker of of stuff, and I think it would be a Husker fan, every Husker fan's dream. They have old traveling trunks and game programs from the '80s. Uh, you know, Ingram told a story. A number of years ago, that he unearthed the Nebraska-Missouri victory bell, that was under there. It was it was Nebraska had won so many years in a row, that they had forgotten about it, and it was half buried, in the mushroom gardens under this bed of crushed brick. So just stuff like that, uh, I think fans will enjoy reading it because again, a lot of the stuff uh, you can you can see, you can read the story, you can walk into the stadium on Saturday, and just kind of see some of these uh, historically significant things. Mm.
1: They should do a tour of that. I mean, they should offer a tour for people to walk in that stadium and see that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I love it.
1: Um,
0: You've had a lot of history with that stadium. It has changed in the time, <coughs> the first time you went to it until now. You you covered a lot of games in the old Shell. Um, now, and the new Shell came in, what, 94, 95? 98. 98, okay. Um, I covered a couple games in the old Shell uh, when I came to college, but... But uh, have you seen it change? What do you like about? I mean, what do you love about this the Memorial Stadium?
1: Well, I love stadiums. I love all stadiums, uh, whether they're new or old. I just, I've, I've always been a, I guess, sort of infatuated or intrigued by the, the stadiums, and I, I, I see them all as a, as as a characters in the uh, the play. Sort of, um, you know, whether they're new or old. Um, for for instance, Rosenblad versus. Uh, uh, Charles Schwab, and yep. they each have different characteristics. Uh, they're both really good for the fans um, in their own way, but um, but the college football stadiums are, we call, we call them old, the the, the 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 battleships or whatever you know, the aircraft carriers, whatever you want to call them. These old things, these old, um, they don't go away because you can't build new stadiums. They they the, the colleges they just cost too much and people so. Yep. You're starting to see it now. Other schools, uh, Nebraska's going to be one of them, where they've taken an old and they they've they got to make it new somehow. And it becomes a hybrid of old history versus uh, the, the the party deck. You know, it it's becomes this thing where you've you've got to you've got to have both. Ah, I just love it because it's got it so much history. I love history, and I love the fact that so much history has happened there, and for the first day, I walked up and saw it. I saw that the inscription on the the the, 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 the corner pillar. I mean, I just can't see it now. You can walk up stairs and it's right there, but it used to be it was just right before it was right there. They had that red N on the press box that you, you used to turn on at night. Every night they had the red on was on, would would like uh, it would. Would flash red. It would it would turn on. You know, they turn the light on. It was every night you saw that red end mm. on stadium. And um, but I just I just love. I, I felt like the, the stadium has a lot of stories to tell. A lot has happened there. And um, to me, the best part about these things is, um, and especially Nebraska Stadium. Every game every game there, it feels like a big game. Because so many big games have happened there. So many things have happened. You walk in there and you go, okay, yeah, this team might not be very good, but what am I going to see today? What am I going to watch? And that, that's part of the experience. And um, it's just Nebraska, it's, it's one of the best stadiums. It's um, Oklahoma, they've turned it into this thing. And, and Nebraska, they have too, to a certain extent, where it's not it doesn't look like it used to, but um it still feels the same you know I think the stadium is all about feel too um I, I'm, I'm excited about this season I love I love these stories um that evan's writing and and I love uh, I've, got, I've got memories from fans uh, I'm gonna write about that later and we have other stories planned um <clears throat> but you know the thing I've it's become too easy to come in there and win for opponents and uh mm. <clears throat> the Nebraska stadium the Morra stadium used to be one of the players it used to be it used to be part of the team you know it was it was a, a, a significant part of every game where you opponents walked in there going holy crap i can't you know this is this is i'm not sure we can do this you know now they don't do that but uh, at some point Memorial Stadium was going to help you win a game and um, the, they needed to get back to that and that's all about uh, the team the the coaches and you know recruiting and all that stuff but yeah. at some point that they they've got the the right stage and I think whatever they do to it in the South Stadium, whatever they however they do it uh, they got the right ad who knows what that stadium needs to be and um, I think that they've got a coach who is going to also embrace it and not look at it like it's it's something that, that doesn't he doesn't care about. Mm-hmm. I think they will care about it. And um, I saw the, uh, the the new gates are up. They're going to be a, 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 a new tunnel walk yep. coming out of the, uh, the the northeast on on Saturday night. Um. So. I took, I took a picture of it. I might I might, I might, I might share it later, but it's kind of interesting um, that they're they're in the, their new locker room, and so they're going to come out of that new gate. And um, I was trying to think. I wonder if they've come out of I wonder if they've come out of all four tunnels. I think they, they used to come out of the um, the the southwest tunnel. They did for years. They came out of that southwest tunnel. Yep. I remember the first game I covered there. The seventy eight Missouri game. Missouri's locker room was on the, um, uh, Southeast tunnel. That was where their locker room was. So I don't think Nebraska would have come out of there. I wonder if Nebraska ever came out of that Southeast. If they did, then they came out of all four, but, um, I don't know. Um, they used to, after, after they practiced, they used to go into the Southeast tunnel. That's how they walked into the locker room. They did. And, um, um, but they never came I don't think they ever came out of there, uh, unless it was, you know, the Devaney years or whatever. But yeah, to uh, come
0: out of the locker room, turn left and go down the tunnel walk when they for the game. They always had a walk versus coming right to the sideline. Right. That's what's interesting about this tunnel walk on Saturday is they're gonna they're gonna be on their own sideline side. And so, what I'm curious to see right. is if they run out to midfield, around a curve, and then to the sideline, or do I, they just bet, sort of jog to the sideline? No, I, I, I bet know. they
1: I bet they. Well, they they, they always have like a, the band or the Somebody's out there yeah. uh, showing them the way. They they run through like a I don't know what you call it. you the human corridor. Yeah, corridor. Not quite a T. I think that's Tennessee, gonna. I think that'll still be there to lead him out to midfield, and then yeah. they kind of run back. Um, so, do you have yeah. a
0: favorite game? And I know you're gonna talk more about this, but just like, oh, like or a game that is that like I'm this gonna is write my moments
1: stadium. at some point. But some of the big moments are the uh, the tunnel walk, at, 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 at the first game after 911. Yeah. That's mm, maybe yeah. number one. Uh, we'll see. Uh, the volleyball is top five. Yeah, maybe top cool. two or three. I mean, yeah, that was great. But, um, I have to think about it, man. Yeah, isn't that a-
0: interesting that like two of the best moments were are not related? To, like, really, to Husker football, right. the nine eleven thing was very. Oh man, that was tough. Mm. That was a really tough. It was great, but it was tough.
1: Yep, I remember that really well. well. I just think any big game there, you remember how you how you how you how you felt when when you, when you were there, mm-hmm. and um, so I'll probably think about those as opposed to. the at the time, they, they played K-State or, you know, when you know some of those games in the 80s. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so like any Oklahoma game, even if it's Buster Rhymes running on the sideline, <laughs> he's breaking your heart, you still remember it. Sure. Um, but, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll think about that. I I mean.
0: My grandpa's favorite memory was the Alabama win when they – 31-24. 77. 77, Yeah. yeah. Sam he, he wasn't from Nebraska but he was a Nebraska like Iowa Nebraska fan. Yeah, he was at that game.
2: You you've seen a lot of stadiums too, Sam. How wh- what characteristics are unique or distinct do you think to Memorial Stadium compared to all the other places that you've been? The
0: incongruity of it. Yeah. All four sides are different. They are. Like that's right. Know, very few stadiums are like that. Michigan is symmetrical. Um, Ohio State isn't. Penn State is is Penn State is similar to Nebraska and that each side is different oh yeah so Nebraska' is that it's different you know like that there's a different side to it and outside each side of that stadium is different mm. so if you go to the north side you go to North Stadium it's the statue on the east side it's all mm. the wealthy it's all the wealthy boosters and some of the academic leaders and it's it's very festive over there I actually like the East side mm. South side there's not much going on no <laughs> anymore. And then the west side is, you know, um, I always think of that. What's the name of the place that cooks the burgers? You can smell them, um, right there outside the media the, entrance.
1: The Husker Burger. Yeah. Well, that's gone now because of COVID. But there, there's a new one. Um, yeah. I think of that. I think of <clears throat> smelling that, and you know, the band coming down.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So. What I want to know is, and maybe, maybe this is part of your story. I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, you know, steal any thunder here, but. Um. <clears throat> Why there? Why was it built there? I mean, and you know, 1923. We're talking about what was the, the city of Lincoln like? Was was the city of Lincoln there in that spot? And was the campus I assume was there? Your
0: lead addresses <clears throat> some of that.
1: Oh, well, I don't want to. And Henry's story well,
0: is going to is Henry Cordes is writing a story next week because
1: it's it's an unusual place for his college football stadium to be not many stadiums are right next to downtown like this like this one it's almost part of downtown right and and so how did that work and because what and you know why was it not somewhere else good point
2: i I don't i don't know that i know it it initially took up four city blocks and it, it was it was pressed up on from all sides by the neighborhood in north lincoln and they spent uh, the city and the university spent a number of years trying to, to buy up those spots north of where like North stadium is now and the Hawks center where yeah. Buck Belzer was like, they spent a long time Schulte uh, trying to buy up those, those spots. So I don't know why specifically that spot was chosen initially. Maybe you do Sam, but um, well, re- just interesting time too. Cause when you looked at the, at the groundbreaking, it was a, it was a mix of horse pulled, you know, uh, Hose or whatever, yeah. and um, machinery, it's so, like just a really interesting snapshot in time sure. as well. well just
1: think about all the places we've been to and all the, all the stadiums we've seen. Um, now, not many campuses are right next to the, the downtown. But if you, you go to Ames, you're not ne- you know, Iowa State's campus is not next to downtown Ames. Right. Uh, you know, M- Missouri isn't, I mean, same thing. KU is over here. I mean, everything is but right. Nebraska, you're right downtown. Wisconsin's and, the same yeah. Wisconsin's like the in that way, in right. that way. but mm. there aren't many like that and um, you just wonder okay I guess I'd, I'd like to go back when well, I want to go back to 23 necessarily but you know what was it like well, what, what did downtown look like I'm sure, I'm sure somebody's got a photo somewhere mm-hmm. of, of what the whole thing looked like back then um, because you know why was the campus right by downtown uh, you know why wasn't it over you know farther west or east um, I don't know but yeah. so I, I I think about that kind of stupid stuff but um, I, I love stadiums and um, this is one of my favorite and um, that, that day that I know brings back painful memories to people you know, painful 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 um, uh, um, that sev- that 70 Missouri game it just everything was just perfect the weather the cold temperatures Gray skies, this and the, this inscription, you know, touching me in the head, but you know, not the goal, but the game and the deed, the glory. Yeah. Oh, it felt like I was walking into a church <laughs> or, or some, so you know what I mean? I do. It was like a, does or, feel like that or for some sure. kind of thing back in like ancient Rome. Yep. You felt like you were, this is special. This, yeah. And not every stadium's got one of those. Oh. And so and you walk in and the game's great. And the crowd's unbelievable. It's just it all comes together at Nebraska. And the stadium, I think it, it's been the absolute perfect stage for everything. Um, and you just need to win and get that back a little bit. I think it, you know, I don't think changing this stuff in the next year or two, and we'll have time to talk about this too, what do you do in the meantime uh, when you've got to put people out of their seats, and you've got to, you've got to, it, it's going to take more than just a, a, a few months to get that stuff done. Do they, do they, do they, they, they can't leave the stadium for a season, but obviously part of the stadium is going to have to be. I, I guess is is it, you know, you you know, you can't use some of the seats. So right. how's that going to work? Is it gonna be that gonna be next season or? two years or anyway that's a great question we'll um they're not quite
0: they're going to explore that in october with the regions and all the rest let's get to our picks okay uh tom's ahead 15 he's 15 and 5 mm. evan is 12 and 8 after a 4 I six week yeah I, I, I did
1: not see the picks this week so um, no, I, I
0: i just wrote them 30 minutes ago well that's so. why i didn't see them yeah sorry um, was I, I'm a little busy at the beginning uh, of the I week. don't. I don't have any system. We'll let's just go. Um, but you picked Texas last week. I did, and neither Evan and I did. Mm. You ready? Let's We're ready. It. Louisiana Mississippi State at Mississippi State Louisiana, uh, Louisiana LSU. LSU. Uh,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll. 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 I'll go Stark Vegas. <clears throat> Evan.
0: LSU. LSU for me.
1: Minnesota, oh, North Carolina. Oh, well, it's, it's
0: LSU, yes. It's so, LSU. You said Louisiana. I know, I screwed up, and then I said yes. Okay, LSU, this right? is a different deal. Yeah. LSU, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Minnesota, North Carolina. North Carolina, Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, me too. I. How's Minnesota going to score? Uh, this is the hardest non-conference game that Minnesota has played in the PJ Fleck era. How
1: did anybody in Nebraska, Minnesota game score anyway? Yeah. I'm, very Washington,
0: carefully. Michigan State. Washington. Okay.
1: Oh, yeah, Washington, big, big.
0: I agree, it'll be Washington. Um, obviously a strange situation going on in uh, Eastlands. Tennessee at Florida. The Swamp, evening game, great rivalry, two of the best uniforms and helmets in my oh, opinion. Oh, man. Love this game
1: every year. Uh, I'm going to – all right, I'll take a – I'm going to take Florida – it's a little, it's a gamble, but Volus, something's not quite there yet, and uh, he's got to win one of these games at some point, doesn't he?
0: Billy Napier, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say Florida as well. Tennessee for me. Okay. Virginia Tech at Rutgers, and to be clear, Rutgers is a touchdown favorite. Yeah, they are a touchdown favorite. I, over I like Virginia I, Tech.
1: I like Scarlet Knights nice, uh, 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 after what Purdue did last week
2: still gotta go vatech just on principle.
1: I'm a Tom. I I
0: mean, Virginia Tech is in a hole. Did you read that story that was in ESPN? No, it was good. That program is 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 in a rough place. Um, it was worth reading, and I'm not talking about the other story. I'm I'm talking about the story about what's happened in that program since Frank Beamer left. Yeah, they're they're starting all the way over. It's kind of like what happened when Frank left. <laughs> uh, Syracuse and Purdue. This is at. Purdue. That's a really interesting one. One-point favorite. Syracuse is a one-point favorite. Oh God. I'm going to take the Cuse. Yeah, I'm not a Purdue believer yet. Syracuse. Yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll take
1: Syracuse. Okay.
0: <sighs> this game is ridiculous. BYU at Arkansas. <laughs> this is a Power 5 conference game now. I love the culture clash there. Oh, God. You, you're telling me.
2: Um, but, yeah, I mean, Arkansas.
0: Pig Pig suey. Arkansas and Arkansas for me. Backyard Brawl. Pittsburgh, West Virginia. They've renewed the rivalry. I love that they have. This was a great game for me as a kid growing up. Backyard Brawl. Where is it at? Mount, uh, Mount Morgantown.
1: Ooh. You West
2: know how vir- close these two schools are? West Virginia.
0: They're very close. They're like 50 minutes.
2: Hmm. Yeah, West, West Virginia. Virginia.
1: Oh what have they done so far this year?
0: They lost to Penn State by some margin and then they beat some I don't know. Hollandaise sauce, I don't know. What they <laughs> <laughs> but they weren't very good. Um I'll get West Virginia, I don't know why. At Pitt. Okay. Kansas State at Missouri. This Uh-oh. is in Columbia. Last year Kansas State really took them to the woodshed. But
1: this is in Columbia. Kansas State is a favorite. Missouri should have won bigger last week. I, I like them. I like their defense. Um, I don't. I think K State's still very good, but I got I got I got to go with MIZ. I have to. I'll be there. K State.
0: I'm gonna go with K State as well. I uh, I think it's gonna be a really good game. I really do. And the last one, Northern Illinois, Nebraska.
2: First to 20 wins, yeah, uh, Nebraska.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I'll take Nebraska. Uh,
0: I have Nebraska as well.
1: Maybe a defense will score. They
0: could sure use it. Boy, could they ever use it. they got to find a way to get some points on the board. Okay, that is our Pick 6 podcast for this week. For Evan and Tom, I'm Sam. We'll be back next week to recap Nebraska-Northern Illinois. And maybe talk some basketball, since I think Nebraska's basketball schedule will be out this week. We might even invite one Wilson Moore, new to the uh, staff and the beat, to talk
1: a little Husker Hoops. Thanks, Husker fans.